1: wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Boo!
3: So nice to be back with you after my little sojourn into the English countryside. And imagine my relief when I got back and heard this. It's great news for all you pimps out there.
4: Are you planning to use your shoe ration coupon to buy white shoes? If so, give them the best of care. Keep them clean with Energine Shoe White.
2: Standing on a corner and a white godfather hat
4: He drives a long black gangster Cadillac. No shoe white can make your shoes look whiter than EnerGene Shoe White. It's made with the very whitest pigment known. And it spreads so easily it gives your shoes the neat well-kept look they must have to give you the most satisfactory wear.
5: Yeah. Ooh, man. For the best of care for the white
4: shoes you wear, remember energy shoe white.
3: Dear Lord, where do I start? So much has happened in my short absence. Let's do a bulletin. I have appeared on episode 48 of the Stinking Paws podcast, where I gave my review of the David Lean classic Brief Encounter. So if you'd like to hear that, then do rush on over to stinkingpaws.com. I'll stick a link in the show notes. Bong me. In the non-cannabis-related way, of course. Yes, I understood. Cool. The Secret History of Hollywood is only going to be appearing in the Telegraph newspaper this weekend. Yes, the Telegraph's podcast writer, man, person extraordinaire, Mr. Pete Norton, has been in touch. And in this weekend's edition of the Saturday Review, you'll be able to read his thoughts on the Secret History of Hollywood. So do rush out on Saturday morning, that's the 8th of August, and buy a copy. Very exciting. <laughs> Rochester Kino, a longtime partner and supporter of the aforementioned Stinking Paws, are planning a mini Hitchcock season at a venue to be announced soon, and would love to hear what your favourite four Hitchcock movies are. Not yet, so all you need to do is follow them on Twitter, on at Rochester Kino, and let them have your list. They are seriously the good guys of cinema. They have some excellent screenings coming up, including Pandora's Box and Bicycle Thieves, and they all involve post-movie discussions with some great and very knowledgeable guests, so do hurry along. Stop it, this isn't the Oscars. Do hurry along and check out Rochester Kino for some superb cinematic programming. I need to get my own bonger. Just noticed something the other day. Here's Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca.
5: I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
3: And here he is, five years later, in The Two Mrs. Carrolls.
6: You know, I have the strangest feeling that this is the beginning of a beautiful hatred.
3: Neat little in-joke there. After a slew of requests from new subscribers who all asked if I could help them find a copy, I have re-uploaded The Brighton Strangler to YouTube
7: Tentbury.
3: and have also made it this week's film club choice again.
7: There'll be no new year for you.
3: So head on over to attaboyclarus.com or to YouTube. It is once again there for you all to enjoy. I am making air quotes with my fingers, by the way. Had a very nice write-up at Now Voyaging, a thoroughly excellent classic film blog run by a very nice lady indeed. So many amazing classic film blogs out there at the moment, and this is right up there with Will McKinley and Spellbound by Movies, so do go and take a look at Now Voyaging. There's a link below. And finally, a very nice gentleman by the name of Justin Sowers, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, has asked if I could provide a list of the films that feature in a universe of horrors so that he can go and create a letterbox list for you all great idea i've been asked countless times and i can only blame my own laziness still i sat down yesterday and put it all together and it now resides in the show notes of a universe of horrors as well as the blog section of attaboyclarence.com and justin once you've created your letterbox list do send me a link and i'll point everyone here towards it many thanks done and done
5: Take it easy and solve the school lunch problem with Spam. S-P-A-M.
3: Yes, thank you for that.
5: Spam is that delicious meat originated and made only by Hormel. It's packed in a handy can, all ready to eat as soon as it's open. No fuss. No taste. No bother. Just cut off slices of this taste-tempting meat, put between slices of buttered bread, and say to the hungry youngsters, have a Spamwich.
3: If I ever do that, please kill me.
5: A perfect combination of sweet, juicy pork shoulder and tender ham... Spam has an extra goodness and meaty flavor all its own. Youngsters go for Spam in a big way.
3: Oh, yes. Spam is like crack to youngsters.
5: So ask your food dealer for SPAM (laughs) Spam.
3: Ugh, this cold is ruining my life. I suppose the only thing I can do is drink some liquid from this strange unlabeled bottle that I'm hoping contains some kind of cold remedy genie.
4: Haven't you heard about Dristan? No. Dristan decongestant tablets for real relief from colds, misery, and sinus congestion.
3: Sounds perfect. Let me just pop one in the old mouth.
4: Dristan is the revolutionary three-layer tablet, which for the first time makes it possible to unite certain medically proven ingredients into one fast-acting, uncoated tablet.
3: Yes. Great, that's worked. feel much better. Thank you very much.
4: Dristan not only helps drain all eight sinus cavities, critical areas of colds infection.
3: Yes, well, now I'm feeling but better. By
4: circulating through the blood, Dristan's decongestant reaches all congested areas.
3: Yes, thank you. Tranks
4: all swollen membranes.
3: I said, thank you.
4: Relieves pressure and pain. Thank you, Genie. An exclusive anti-allergent helps keep... Does anyone know how you unrub a weird. bottle? Haven't you heard about Dristan? Dristan decongestant tablets for real relief from cold's misery and sinus congestion. Oh
3: for goodness sake, he started again. Can someone get my father on the phone please? He's an expert with all things bottled. Sorry about this everyone. Hi dad, sorry to bother you, but the Dristan genie won't shut up. He's a genie gone mad.
4: Jack Nicholson, like a Disney genie. No. Is he giving you wishes?
3: No, he's just talking about Dristan cold tablets. Oh,
5: what a rubbish genie?
3: I never get the good genies. Oh
5: no, I was saying that to the post office lady on Monday.
3: So what do I do?
4: Uh, turn the knob on the back of the bottle, son.
3: On the back of the bottle. Oh, oh yes. Hang on.
4: Tablet, which for the first time makes it possible. That's the chamber pot knob, son. Turn the other one. Hang on. Dristan not only helps
8: drain all... Oh, excellent.
4: All right, but it go. Anyway, Columbo's on.
3: Oh, okay. Just one more thing. What thing? Just, just one more thing, you know, like Columbo says.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's very good, that is. Thank you. Bye.
3: Yeah, bye. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. So many a so big. So I've dedicated a show to angels in the path. As I've told you before, they kind of popped up quite regularly. But another character that popped up equally as often was the devil.
2: Pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my
6: name!
3: Led Krieger played him immaculately in Heaven Can Wait in 1943, a classic film that I am determined to eulogise one of these days. He wasn't a main character, though, so I've left it on the shelf this time. When I saw it was a time for change. He also popped up in the guise of Claude Rains in Angel on My Shoulder, a film that I have told you about before. The themes of temptation and corruption lend themselves perfectly to the appearance of the devil in classic cinema. Man overcoming temptation and telling the devil to go to hell or go back to hell was a reassuring way of saying that men are filled with a fighting spirit. Today I have three satanic films to tell you about, all rather different in their own way and all definitely worth your time should you decide to go for a dance in the pale moonlight. The first of these doesn't actually feature the devil himself, rather a group of his worshippers who've created a clandestine coven among the rich and powerful in New York's Greenwich Village. This is a film called The Seventh Victim, from 1943. Kim Hunter takes the lead here as Mary, a teenage girl who leaves school to find out what happened to her sister, Jacqueline, who vanished from the face of the earth some months ago.
0: I don't get this. Miss Jacqueline's so crazy about you. She was always talking about you and she had your picture in her office. I know. For the first time, I'm beginning to feel frightened. I almost feel as if I'd never known my
3: sister. As Mary begins to investigate, she discovers that Jacqueline lived a life she never told anyone about. It turns out that she was even married. But there's a shadowy underbelly to Jacqueline's secret life. Why did Jacqueline rent a cheap hotel room and hang a noose from the ceiling? And who are the sinister group that seems to have befriended Jacqueline and who are also very anxious to find her? And what is hidden behind the locked door at the end of the hall where Jacqueline used to work.
0: You could go on, Mr. August. You could open the door or I'd stay right here. It's only a little way, Mr. August.
7: I can't stand here all night.
0: You could go and open the door.
3: This was produced by horror maestro Val Luton for RKO, and his fingerprints are all over it, very much like his other hits, Cat People and The Leopard Man. The seventh victim relies on sound and clever lighting and the ratcheting up of suspense to earn its scares, and it does so very effectively. The coven of smiling, elderly devil worshippers with members everywhere would be explored a little more sensationally in Rosemary's Baby a few decades later, but the germs of that film are on screen here. It's a very chilling little film that deserves to be better known than it is. Some of the scenes that Luton and the director, Mark Robson, come up with are stupendous, from the way that the Coven dispose of a body, to the incredible scene in which Mary is visited by one of the Coven as she's in the shower, and their two shadows hold a deliciously dark conversation.
6: If I were you, Mary, I'd go back to school. I'd make no further attempt to find Jacqueline. I can't give up looking for her, Mrs. Reddy, no matter what you're hinting at. I have no intention whatsoever of hinting. Your sister, Mary, is a murderess.
3: Also, the scene where Mary and an investigator go to investigate the locked door is classic Luton. The threat is hidden away just out of sight and the little man walks into the darkness to meet it as a wall clock ticks loudly. The dialogue is satisfyingly ripe at times. Jean Brooks pops up with a very sinister haircut. And it all ends with a rather shocking turn of events. All in all, a highly recommended film for fans of the macabre. And if you like your chills to creep up on you and linger on the spine... <laughs> Slightly more glossy this time and less concerned with terrifying its audience is alias Nick Beale from 1949. This stars Thomas Mitchell as Joseph Foster, the district attorney of New York, who's been trying for years to prosecute Hanson, an underworld gang boss, but who's about to see his court case go up in flames due to lack of evidence. Just as all hope looks lost, Foster receives an invitation to meet one Nick Beal at a dingy waterfront bar and arrives to find a rather suave and enigmatic gentleman, played by Ray Milland.
6: Nicholas Beale, agent. Agent for what, Mr. Beale? That depends, possibly for you. Foster promises clean city with Hanson conviction. That's right. Only I hear you run into a little snag, some missing books. Where did you hear about that? What would you say if I dig them up for you? And why would you be so obliging? I'm just a humble follower of your work. Wayward boys set right, criminals successfully prosecuted, and I admire you. Incorruptible enemy of the legions of evil. It's rather a flamboyant way of putting it. Perhaps. But of course, I'm not altogether altruistic. I thought so. But you're interested. How you you? How much will this cost? Well, whatever you decide is fair. That's a proposition I can hardly refuse. Should we be going?
3: Before long, Foster has his conviction against Hansen, and now he's in debt to Nick Beale. It's here that we learn that Nick Beale is in fact Satan, and wants to use Foster to gain control over the state. Foster's work in beating the gangs has made him a serious contender for the role of state governor. And Satan wants nothing more than to control the man who controls the state.
6: I'd kind of like to participate in your campaign.
0: I think we can do without your help.
6: You don't like me, do you, Mrs. Foster?
0: No, I don't.
6: Would you change your mind if I made a small contribution, say, 25,000? I haven't decided to run yet. You will. Don't take it. No strings attached.
0: How do we know? How do we know that you're not some sort of a racketeer?
6: My racket concerns good government, Mrs. Foster.
0: I don't believe you. No? We don't want your money.
6: You letting her run things? I think she's right.
3: Foster isn't a man to be influenced, though, so Nick puts another plan into action involving murder, slander, and a waterfront prostitute. Alias Nick Bill is quite an oddity. It slides quite neatly into the film noir category, especially in the way it's lit and in its mood. But every now and then it throws in a few horror tropes. It's essentially the Faust legend, man sells soul to the devil in return for temporary success. And it follows that path rather rigidly, but it's also heavy on gloss and has a charming pair of leads in Ray Moland and Thomas Mitchell. The result is a film that is never scary, but that is full of intrigue. We see Nick Beale rolling the ball on his Rube Goldberg mousetrap of a plan quite early on. And as all the tumblers begin to fall in the lock, as all the chess pieces start to converge on the king, you can begin to appreciate what a clever fellow he is. And so... Ultimately, you're left with a film that's less infatuated with playing up the horror of Satan as a character, and more interested in showing what a good chess player he is. And so we come to the final film of this week, one of the most peculiar and most enchanting films I have ever seen, containing in my opinion, one of the greatest screen performances of all time. The name of the film is The Devil and Daniel Webster.
7: My name is Scratch. I often go by that name in New England. Uh, I don't have any business with you. Do you deny that you called me? I've known people in other states who went back on their word, but I, I didn't expect it in New Hampshire.
9: You can't say that to me. I'm New Hampshire, and if I say I called you, I did. Guess
7: I did. You've had a lot of bad luck these days. And yet, it's all so unnecessary. <laughs> when I think of your opportunities. My opportunities? Of course. Why, well, you have one of the richest farms in the county. <laughs> you just go about it the wrong way. <laughs> oh, so many men do hard work. That's all right for people who don't know how to do anything else. It's all right for people who aren't lucky. But once you're lucky, you don't have to work for other people. (laughs) You make them work for
6: you.
3: (laughs) Jabez Stone is a New Hampshire farmer in 1840 who's been on the receiving end of a string of bad luck. One afternoon, he's visited by the devil himself, Mr. Scratch, who offers him seven years' good luck in return for something he can't see or feel.
2: It's mine. It's mine. Yes, that's right,
7: Mr. Stone. Oh, uh, there is just one little formality. I would like your signature here. See? And when it's done, it's done for seven years. It's our usual form. Of course, we can take up the question of renewal in due time. What does it mean here about my soul? Why should that worry you? Soul, soul is nothing. Can you see it, smell it, touch it? No. This soul, your soul, are nothing against seven years of good luck. You have money, and all that money can buy. <laughs>
3: Jabez Stone goes from poverty-stricken farmer to the richest man in the county. But absolute power corrupts. And it isn't long before Jabez Stone has grown into a colder, crueler man than the one he used to be. Due in large part to the servant girl, Belle, who's been sent by Mr. Scratch to keep Jabez on the crooked path.
0: I have
1: other recommendations
9: too.
1: From a very dear friend of yours.
9: Never mind.
0: What's your name? Belle. Where are you from? From Over the Mountain.
3: Unsurprisingly, when Mr. Scratch arrives to take Jabez Stone's soul, he wants out of the bargain and, as a result, is offered a new deal a three year extension if Jabez will give to Mr. Scratch the soul of his newborn son. Terrified and repentant, Jabez flees to his estranged wife, Mary, and tells her everything. The only solution, as far as she can see, is to enlist the help of the local hero, the cattle-wrestling, rum-drinking U.S. Senator, Daniel Webster, the pride of the nation.
2: How long do we have to wait? Till midnight? Oh, that's fine. Then we have time to christen a jug. Old Medford rum. No, there's nothing like it. You know, somehow or other, waiting becomes wonderfully shorter with a jug. I saw an inchworm once take a drop of this, and he stood right up on his hind legs and bit a (laughs) bee. Do you have a nip? No, there's no joy in it for me. Oh, come, come. Just because you sold your soul to the devil, that needn't make you a teetotaler. Hurry, Mr. Webster, hurry, while you still have time. No, no, I never left a jug or a case half-finished in all my life. Come in.
3: And so we're led to the film's finale, a legal battle between the devil himself and Daniel Webster, both arguing their claim to a man's soul.
2: But you shan't have this man man isn't a piece of property. Mr. Stone is an American citizen. Uh, an American citizen cannot be forced into the service of a foreign prince. Foreign? Who calls me a foreigner? Oh, I never heard of the death. I never heard of you claiming American citizenship. And who who is a better right?
7: When the first wrong was done to the first Indian, I was there. When the first slaver put out for the Congo, I stood on the deck. Am I not still spoken of in every church in New England? It's true, the North claims it for a Southerner, the South for a Northerner, but I'm neither. Tell the truth, Mr. Webster, though I don't like the post of it. My name is older in the country than yours.
2: Then I stand on the Constitution. I demand a trial for my client.
7: You mean a jury trial?
2: I do. If I can't win this case with a jury, you'll have me too. If two New Hampshire men aren't a match for the devil, we'd better give the country back to the Indians. Very well. <laughs> you shall have your way, Mr. Webster.
3: Of course, the devil isn't about to play fair, though, and wheels out his last trick. One that will draw the great Daniel Webster himself into the most bitter courtroom battle he's ever faced. The whole production from start to finish is played out like a warped Tale. Even the musical score is composed of either music of the period or the strange dismembered sounds of some other realm. It's very eerie stuff, and while much of the film is charming and picture-postcard gorgeous, it's also punctuated by some bone-chilling scares the moment when Mr. Scratch takes the soul of a previous bargainee is blood-curdling as is the terrifying scene in which the dead arrive to dance at a party around the fireplace the director William Dieterly utilizes some remarkable... Camera work: Some of the shots are blurred, some are half-blurred. Conversations are held in close-up, where the faces are literally obscured by black shadows. The angles are tilted, and light seems to pour from the most unlikely of places. In one scene, the fireplace smoulders with a blindingly bright flame, against which two characters whisper to each other, rendering them completely in silhouette. The result is a dreamlike disorientating folk tale that terrifies as much as it amuses. But oddly it isn't a horror movie instead it's a living wood carving lit by the flickering flames of hell where the shadows seem to dance on their own. All of this visual wonder is brought into even more effervescent life by the performances which are staggering. Firstly, Simone Simon as the she-devil temptress is as bewitching and sinister as a demon would be. There are flames behind her eyes and the way that she smiles stops the heart. Then you have the great Edward Arnold as Daniel Webster, a bull of a man whose strength you never doubt. He's lit from within by a molten patriotism. When he roars into action at the film's climax, you almost feel the need to clutch the arms of your chair for safety. And it is crowned by the quite unparalleled performance of Walter Houston as Mr. Scratch, quite possibly one of the greatest screen performances I've ever seen, and by far the screen's greatest devil. His appearances throughout the film are shimmering moments of brilliance. He acts it from the ground up, from his trotting, Creeping walk to the licking of his lips. His eyes are crazy with energy. His teeth look as though they've been filed to a point and as though they've eaten many men's souls before this. He is witty and charming and funny and terrifying all at the same time, and thankfully, he's a lot more involved in the story than simply a framing device. He pops up in many scenes, hoping to influence the thoughts and actions of characters. And every time he appears, you can't help but smile. It's a performance for the ages, and one you really have to see and enjoy yourself. All in all, a beautiful and terrifying folktale, an absolutely bewitching mix of horror and magic that I wholeheartedly recommend you seek out as fast as you possibly can. A new radio show to present you with tonight. This was the Cavalcade of America show, a drama anthology that ran from 1935 to 1953 and presented not only adaptations of famous movies, but also stage hits and folk tales and anything else it could bring to the air. Well, soon after The Devil and Daniel Webster's release in cinemas, it was adapted for a cavalcade of America into a very abridged half-hour radio play, which does sacrifice much of the film's nuance and enchantment, but which did have the good sense to reunite the entire main cast, apart from Simone Simon. Incidentally, the film was retitled All That Money Can Buy for a short while after release so that people wouldn't confuse it with the comedy The Devil and Miss Jones. So don't be too confused when you hear it introduced with its alternate title. Anyway contracts in hand, let's take a trip to New Hampshire and the Stone Farm, courtesy of the fabulous Cavalcade of America. I'll see you on the other side, neighbor.
5: DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry, presents the Cavalcade of America. Tonight, RKO's great new motion picture All That Money Can Buy, starring Edward Arnold, Walter Houston, James Craig, Jane Darwell, and Anne Shirley.
8: All that money can buy from a story by Stephen Vincent Benet entitled The Devil. (laughs) Good evening. And Daniel Webster.
5: This evening, the DuPont Cavalcade of America presents a truly American screen masterpiece. Filmed by RKO, directed by William Dieterle, we hope you'll agree it's one of the finest pictures to come out of Hollywood in many years. Through special arrangement with the studio and the stars, we are able to present it tonight with the original screen players: Anne Shirley, Jane Darwell, James Craig, Walter Houston, and Edward Arnold. And now the lights are being dimmed as the curtain goes up on the first radio presentation of All That Money Can Buy. Tonight's play on The Cavalcade of America.
8: This story begins in 1840, and most of it takes place in New Hampshire... One of the principal characters is a young farmer named Jabez Stone. He's one of the many debt-ridden, impoverished American farmers... ...faced with the grim prospect of paying off a mortgage and nothing to pay it with. Oh, Mary. Mary. How are we ever going to pay
9: off Miser Stevens' mortgage tomorrow?
0: Maybe Miser Stevens will give us another extension.
9: Not Miser Stevens. He's worse than the devil himself.
0: Jabez... Can't we give him some of the livestock in payment?
9: No, consigned, we can't. If the pig hadn't have broken his leg and the horse come down with a colic, maybe we'd have been able to pay him. But now? I remember Pa used to say sometimes when they were handing out hard luck, the farmers got there first.
1: Here, here now, Jaber Stone. Are you on to your favorite subject again?
9: Guess it was, Ma.
1: As <laughs> for <laughs> <laughs> so what you're always calling hard luck, well, we made New England out of it. That and codfish. What's ailing that dog, Jabez? I don't know. Well, make him keep
9: quiet. Why should I? Let him howl if it makes him feel good. Consign it, he's better off than I am. Hush up such talk, Jabez. I can't help it. I mean it, I tell you. I've had more than my share. Nothing ever goes right for me. Nothing.
0: Where are you going, Jabez?
9: I'm going out to the barn, Mary. Maybe Stevens will take some seed in payment.
0: But, Jabez, that seed's all we've got for the spring planting.
9: I know it. But, consonant, we've got to pay off Miser Stephen somehow, or we won't even have a farm. <coughs> Quiet, ship! What are you yelling about? That's <coughs> mm. <coughs> Satan, all New Hampshire, <coughs> and I've got to give it to him. Down, ship! Down, look up. Consonant, it. Dropped it! Dropped it in the mud! All of it, all a seed in the mud. I've had enough. Enough to make a man sell his soul to the devil, and I would, too, for about two cents. I guess nobody heard. I hope not.
7: Good evening, neighbor Stone. Who are you? My name's Scratch. I often go by that name in New England. I, I don't want to have any business with you. <laughs> You've had a lot of bad luck these days. And yet it's all so unnecessary. A clever man like yourself, he can find money anywhere. Money to pay his bills, money for his wife and his children, money to be a rich man. All he needs is a friend to point it out to him. Like this, under that board. Gold. Gold. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Pick it up. Pick it up. Feel it in your hands. Gold. Gold coins. Yes, yes, So it is. Where did it come from? Oh, you know the old story? The Hessian wagon train was ambushed on its way to Saratoga. Some of the gold has been buried under your barn. Yes. Yes, why shouldn't it? Of course. People forget. Or the man who knew about it died. Well, you know how these things happen. Gold. My gold. Yes, 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 yes. Your gold. Oh, Mr. Stone, there's just one little formality. I'd like your signature on this contract here. And when it's done, it's done for seven years. But it says I'm... I'm selling my soul. (laughs) Well, why should that worry you? (laughs) A soul. Soul is nothing. Can you see it, smell it, touch it? No. (laughs) Think of it. This soul, your soul, a nothing against seven years of good luck. All the money you can use. Think of it. Uh, Sign right here, Mr. Stone. And if I do... All the gold's mine? Uh, that and more. For seven years, you shall have all that money can buy. All right. All right, I'll sign. <laughs> there. Excellent. A firm, fair signature, Mr. Stone. One that will last till doomsday. Allow me to congratulate you. You're going to be the wealthiest man in the country. <laughs> well, I'll be. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, indeed, but not now. <laughs> not for seven years. <laughs>
8: Thus, farmer J. Stone sells his soul to the devil. And thus begins seven years of good fortune and prosperity in the new RKO motion picture, All That Money Can Buy. Brought to you this evening on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, makers of better things, for through better living, through chemistry. True to the devil's promise, Jabez Stone becomes one of the richest men in all New England. Everything he touches turns to gold. But in his lust for money, his greed and selfishness have turned his friends against him. Now, six years later, Jabez has mortgages on farms for miles around, with little mercy for those in his power. He has no time for old friends, not even Ma and Mary, who are more and more concerned about the change that has come over him.
6: Now,
1: Jabez is a building that big mansion on the hill. What for, I'd like to know.
0: Now, Ma, Jabez is rich, and if he wants it, he can have it, I guess.
1: I don't like it, but I've quit worrying about Jabez. Mary, I'm worried about you. What all this is doing to you?
0: Well, you can just stop it.
1: What's that? I said you
0: should just stop worrying, because I've made up my mind. I'm going to have a talk with Daniel Webster.
2: Mary, let's talk about your affairs. You'll forgive an old lawyer's legal mind, but I don't think you ever once came to the point. And there is a point, isn't there?
0: Why, yes, but it's hard to put into words, Mr. Webster. I can't really talk about it to Ma. She puts all the blame on Jabez, and I won't stand for that.
2: You know, Mary, I've heard a lot of odd things about Jabez lately. It seems he's not making the right kind of name for himself.
0: Mr. Webster, you mustn't believe all that people say.
2: Oh, no, you don't have to defend him to me. (laughs) I've been called names myself.
0: All I care about is Jabez. He was the first man I loved. He never used to care about money. We were poor as Job's turkey, and none of us minded. Now I've seen him drive the poor from the door, and we used to be poor ourselves. I've seen him hard and mean. I've heard him mock at the church bells, the bells that rang at our wedding. It isn't like you, Mr. Webster. It it must be my fault somehow. My fault. Now,
2: now, 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 Mary, Mary. You know, Mary, you've talked to me as you might have talked to your father, and I think he wants me to help you a little. You know, we sometimes feel that we're licked in this life, we weren't put here to be licked. No, sirree, don't you believe it? We sometimes feel that the shadows have got hold of us, the shadows of evil. But it's still up to us to fight. You know, Mary, I was just planning a little trip down your way, and maybe I could have a little talk with Jabez, huh? Oh,
0: oh would you, Mr. Webster? I almost forgot to tell you that we're having a housewarming Saturday night. Could you come?
2: Housewarming? Well, (laughs) yes, Mary, I think I'd better. Uh, I'll be there for your housewarming.
9: What's keeping my guests? Why don't they come?
0: I don't know, Jabez.
9: I'll show them what a real housewarming is. Folks didn't d- dream Jabez Stone could have a mansion like this. Where's Ma?
0: She she said she'd rather stay in the old house, Jabez.
9: Hm, I don't care. I thought you said Daniel Webster was coming. It'd be a fine thing if my guest of honor didn't show up.
0: He said he'd be here, Jabez, so he will.
9: Ah, oh, so they're finally here, eh? Never mind, I'll go to the door. Welcome, everybody. Oh, hello, Ma. Thought you said you weren't coming.
1: I saw something just now, son, I thought you might like to know. What? I met Miser Stevens, going down the road with that man named Scratch. What
9: do you know about Scratch?
1: Well, you see, son, I've lived a pretty long spell, and I know a lot of things that young folks don't always find out until, well, until it's too late.
9: I guess Miser Stevens got his money in pretty bad ways, didn't he, Ma?
1: I guess he did. "'cause it didn't profit him none. "'When a man gets his money in bad ways, son, "'when he sees the better course and takes the worst, "'then the devil's in his heart and that fixes him.'" And yet, and yet a man could change all that, couldn't he, Ma? Man can always change things. That's what makes him different from the barnyard critters. A man's got a soul, too. But if he loses it, he's worse off than the critters.
9: Ma... Did Miser Stephen say anything?
1: He said his time was up. What do you mean, Jabez?
9: His time was up. Ma. you ain't gonna spoil my house, warming, you, with your fool notions. Mary! Mary, where are you? Oh,
0: here I am, Jabez. What is it? What's the matter?
9: We're in a tarnation to all my guests. Why don't they come?
0: I don't know, Jabez, unless... Unless what? Someone said a lot of the folks were down talking to Mr. Webster... About those mortgages you hold over them. Oh,
9: so that's it. You and Ma and Webster have worked this out between you. You've told them not to come. Oh,
0: Jabez.
9: Oh, I see it now, all right. You didn't want me to have this house. You've never been satisfied since I came up in the world. Maybe you're not the kind of a wife a rich man ought to have. Jabez Stone, don't you know what
0: you're saying? Yes, I do. I won't listen to it anymore.
9: Then don't. Don't. Get out of here, both of you.
1: All right, son. We're going.
9: Go on. Go back to the other house, the old place where you belong. I don't want to talk to either of you again. What's that? Where's everyone? What's happened? Oh, dear Lord, help me through this. Help me, Lord, and I'll... Can
7: I be of any service, Mr. Storm?
9: Where did you come from?
7: Oh, 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 I've been around...
9: This is your fault, Scratch. You promised me prosperity, happiness, love, money, friendship. Well, just,
7: uh, just a minute, Neighborstone. I promised you money and all that money can buy. I don't recall any other obligations. But uh, let's look at the contract, huh? Church bells.
9: This time of night. Someone's died. Mr. Stevens. Oh, but Stevens ain't dead. My ma saw him with you just a little while ago. Yeah,
7: yeah, so he was. <laughs> Yes, in the midst of life, one really hates to close these long-standing accounts. (laughs) But uh, business is business.
9: Scratch, I am through with you. Finish beginning
7: right now. Oh, You're trying to break our contract, Mr. Stone. I still have
9: a year. A year to make
7: up for everything. No, no, no. You're violating clause five of our contract, refusing to continue our bargain until the date of expiration. I could collect right now if I chose.
9: Not now. Not now. Let me make it up.
7: Let me make it up. (laughs) Suddenly, you seem quite desperate, Mr. Stone. You know, I'm a good-natured man. I'm always open to reason. With a little uh, security, I might grant an extension.
9: Anything. Anything. You can have it all back. The
7: money, the house, the new farm, my whole caboodle. Mm, I'm afraid that's hardly the sort of security I was thinking of. You see, there is that promising little fellow, your son. My son? Yes, yes. I, I've had my eye on him for some time. I've taken quite a liking to the boy, neighbor Stone.
9: Oh, no. Oh, no, not him. Not my son. I'd rather go with you now or make us no matter what happens.
7: <laughs> come, come, Mr. Stone. You're a little upset. It's not fair to bargain with you now. I tell you I won't do it. I won't. I'll give you until midnight, Mr. Stone. Until midnight. But not one minute more. Scratch!
9: Sketch, where are you? Oh Lord, Lord, help me! Mary, Mary! Good evening, Jabez, Mister Webster.
0: Oh, Jabez!
9: Oh, Mary, Mary, I didn't mean what I said.
0: I know that,
9: Mister Webster. Please, you've got to help me.
0: You see, Mr. Webster, I told you he was in trouble. Oh, won't
9: you help him? I'll tear up those mortgages. I'll do anything.
2: Well, now, that's better, Jabez. Then you'll do it? Yes, I'll take your case. I'd fight 10,000 devils to save a New Hampshire man. <laughs> Is uh, is this where you said you closed the deal with him, Jabez? Yes, Mr. Webster. It's here where it all began, in the barn. I see. And this is where he'd like to collect, I suppose. Yes, at midnight. Mm-hmm. Well, how long do we have to wait? Not long. Not long now. Come in. Attorney of record for Jabez Stone. Might I ask your name?
7: Uh, Scratch will do for the evening. Well, Mr. Stone, are you willing to give me your son in exchange for an extension of our contract? Never. Then, Mr. Webster, since there is no argument, I'll I'll take him along with me now.
2: Uh, Not so fast, Mr. Scratch, not so fast. You'll not have this man. A man is not property. Mr. Stone is an American citizen, and no American citizen may be forced into the service of a foreign prince. Huh? Foreign?
7: Who calls me a foreigner?
2: Well, I never heard of the devil. I mean, you're claiming American citizenship. <laughs>
7: <laughs> and who with a better right? When the first wrong was done to the first Indian, I was there. When the first slaver put out for the Congo, I stood on the deck. Am I not still spoken of in every church in New England? <laughs> it's true, the North claims me for a Southerner, and the South for a Northerner, but I'm neither. <laughs> Tell the truth, Mr. Webster, though I don't like to boast of it. My name is older in the country than yours.
2: Then I stand on the Constitution and demand a trial for my client. You
7: mean a jury trial?
2: I do. (laughs) Very well.
7: But uh, the case is hardly one for an ordinary jury.
2: Let it be the quick or the dead. So it's an American judge and an American jury. The
7: quick or the dead. You have said it. I will recall from the past 12 jurors, good and true.
9: Up from the ground.
7: Why, they're dead men. Ghosts out of the ground. You must pardon the leathery toughness of one or two, Mr. Webster. Uh, dastards, liars, traitors,
2: knaves. Why, this is monstrous. You,
7: your jury, Mr. Webster. This is Captain Kidd. He killed men for gold. This is Simon Gertie, the renegade. He burned men for gold. Walter Butler of the Cherry Valley Massacre. And, of course, General Benedict Arnold. <laughs> You remember him, no doubt.
2: A jury of the damned.
7: <laughs> Americans, all! Oh, yes, sir. Uh, our presiding judge, Justice Hathorn of the Salem witch trials who burned more innocent men at the stake than any other man in American history. Come up, Justice Haythorne.
1: Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. This trial of the Midnight Court of the state of New Hampshire in the county of Franklin is now in session. Justice Hathorn presiding... Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, the devil versus Jabus Stone.
7: Who appears for the plaintiff? I, Your Honor. And for the defendant? I. The prosecution will proceed. Your Honor, gentlemen of the jury, this case need not detain us long. It concerns one thing alone namely, the transference, barter, and sale of a certain piece of property, to wit, his soul, by Jabus Stone. That transference, barter, or sale? is attested by a deed. I offer that deed in evidence and mark it Exhibit A.
2: I object. Objection denied.
7: I shall now call Jabez Stone to the witness stand. Jabez Stone to the witness stand. Jabez Stone, did you or did you not sign this document?
9: Yes, I did. But you tricked me into it. You told me my soul was nothing, that I could forget all about my soul in exchange for money. Mm -hmm. But uh, this
7: is your signature. You know darn well it is. (laughs) Gentlemen, the jury. The prosecution rests. Does the jury wish to consider the case? It appears they do not.
2: Take your man, Mr. Scratch. I protest, Your Honor. I wish to cross-examine to prove that... There will
7: be no cross-examination in this court. You may speak if you like, but be brief. And let me warn you, Mr. Webster... If you speak and fail to convince us, then
5: you, too, are doomed. Drag him down with us. Drag him down with us. Save yourself, Mr. Webster. Don't speak.
7: Go on, go on, go on, Mr. Webster. Lost
2: in God. Lost in God. Be still! Gentlemen of the jury... It is my privilege to be addressing a group of men I have long been acquainted with in song and story, but men I had never hoped to see. You are called upon tonight to judge a man named Jabez Stone. And what is his case? He sold his soul to the devil. Why? To make a shortcut in his life, to get rich quickly, the same deal all of you once made. You, Benedict Arnold, I speak to you because you're better known than all your other colleagues here. What a different song yours could have been. But for the lure of gold, you betrayed your country. I can go on and name you all. But there's no need of that. Why stir the wounds? I know they pain enough. All of you were fooled like Jabez Stone. But Jabez Stone found out in time. Now he is here tonight to save his soul. Gentlemen of the jury, I ask you to give Jabez Stone another chance to walk upon this earth among the trees, the growing corn and the smell of the grasses in the spring. What would you all give for another chance to see those things you must all remember and often long to touch again? For you were all men once. Clean American air was in your lungs, and you breathed it deeply, for it was free and blew across the earth you loved. These are common things I speak of, small things, but they are good things. Yet without your soul, they mean nothing. Without your soul, they sicken. My worthy opponent, Mr. Scratch, has called you Americans all, and Mr. Scratch was right. But as Americans, you can't be on his side. You can't take the side of the oppressor. Gentlemen of the jury, don't let this country go to the devil. Free Jabez Stone. God save the United States and the men who made us free.
7: The jury will consider its verdict. The jury finds for the defendant, Mr. Stone... I congratulate you. You're free.
2: Oh, Mr. Webster. Oh, that's all right, my boy. And as for you, Mr. Scratch, if I ever become the president of you? the United States.
7: <laughs> you? You'll never be president. I'll see to that. <laughs> Well, I lost that one. But let's see. Now, who's going to be next on my list? Anderson? Brown? No. Cohen? McManus? Taylor? No, 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 no. Hmm. hmm. Now, you out there, listening tonight. That's right. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And that was The Devil and Daniel Webster starring Edward Arnold and the magnificent Walter Houston, courtesy of the Cavalcade of America show. Great stuff. Well, thank you for joining me this week. I'll be back next week with my final show before I disappear to finish the next special. Just a quick reminder that if you want to hear... The Adventures of Alfred Hitchcock Part 3, you will need to subscribe to The Secret History of Hollywood. The specials no longer live over here. Also, don't forget to join the mailing list. You can do so at attaboyclarence.com. Just go to the homepage and scroll down. Right, I shall see you next week then, where I'll be telling you all about a dashing romantic lead who played a brain box, his own twin, and an amnesiac in a trio of classic films. So until then... Take care and have a great week. Bye for now.
4: Haven't you heard about Dresden? Let Mysteries at Midnight
7: be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe and others. I'm Christopher and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.